Hey there, welcome back to How I Got Hired. Today's episode is a little bit different. We are going to be talking about imposter syndrome, fake it till you make it, with a leadership and empathy-based coach called Malaika Simmons, who's based in Washington, D.C. This is coming from a live conversation I had with Malaika back in October 2021 that I think is worth placing right here on this podcast. We talked about so much good stuff when it comes to interviewing and nervousness and you know, I feel like an imposter, like no matter what I do, like they're going to find out that I'm fake. That feeling, that syndrome, right? Where does it come from? What can you do about it? How can you address it? There's so much gold in this conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Without further ado, let's dive right in. We have a fantastic topic today, which is all about this dastardly imposter syndrome like what is it where does it come from what can you do about it with a fabulous person who studied it as well and um teaches this to you know works on it with her clients malaika simmons who's joining us all the way from washington dc malaika good morning and thank you for being with us today good morning i'm so happy to be here i'm so happy you're here we're gonna have a fabulous conversation malaika on all things important Imposter, you're a fraud. Like when we hear this word, it's so strong. And like, what? You're talking to me? But we have that imposter syndrome. I think all of us have that in our brain. And so before we, you know, get deep into it, tell us a little bit about yourself and your backstory and even like momentology, because that's your method, right? Yeah. Uh, talk to us, talk to us a little bit about that. Thank you. So I created an intentional framework for living that I call the momentology method. And momentology is a study and practice of operating in the now, succeeding with what you have right now in this moment. So I like to sometimes call it mindfulness for the rest of us, right? Because sometimes mindfulness is somewhat hard to wrap your head around. You're like, am I doing affirmations? Am I meditating? What's going yeah. on? And how is that going to get me my promotion, right? Like we're having a hard time matching the two, the practice with the actual outcomes. And so I believe that my practice helps people to be centered. Uh, there are three major uh, parts to it. It's awareness, gratitude and expectance. And expectance is the one that trips a lot of people up because we have this notion that if I expect things, I'll just be disappointed. And I just have a different take on that. So one of the things that I like to say is that you have to learn how to be yourself in all the places where you are. And that's a lot, that's often difficult because we're oftentimes trying to work our way through and figure out who we need to be. Yep. And so my background actually was from coming up the corporate ladder and showing up as a woman of color in rooms that I was often the only one that looked like me. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to make it. So I actually didn't create momentology as a business gimmick or thing. It was like sanity for me. It was a way yeah. for me to. Yeah, to, no, that's, that's wonderful. Nothing is better than when things come from our own experience. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely love it. We have friends, old friends and new friends joining us. I kid you not, Malaika, from like all parts of the world. So awesome. you guys are watching us. We're so grateful for you. I almost introduced you as 
because I see a couple of my Indian friends here. I almost introduced you as Malaika Arora, and I'm like, oops, better be careful I'll because that's. I'll, a- kind of, I'll take that though. She's beautiful. She's I'll gorgeous. <laughs> she, I don't know if she's if you could call her an actor, a model, influencer, but whatever. She's drop dead gorgeous. So I know what you mean. Like you're giving me that, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. One quick thing about the name and how it also relates to imposter syndrome, because those of us that have names that are not maybe Western sounding and easy to pronounce, right? Um, so I've taken the saying long ago when I was in meetings, I would say my name and, and what is it? Michaela, Malika. And there are names Malika. It just, it doesn't happen to be my name. Right. And so I say Malika. And so I say, I like a Malika so people can remember my name, but also it is my way of standing in my power in my name. Right. Because I'm so happy that you didn't anglicize it. Yes. The imposter syndrome tells you to make it, Oh, you can call me M. You can call me, you know, something that's easy for your Mal. No, my name is Malaika. My mother put some love into that. And so I, I celebrate that. So I, I love that. We have our, our, our friend here who also joined us on Superjudge Fridays a few months ago in New, New York. And he is originally from, his parents were from Ghana. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about also, you know, I mean, I know he talks about um, imposter syndrome and, you know, just being proud of your identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nia, to appreciate you being here. So fantastic. Let's get going, Malaika. Talk to us about this. Like, there's been so many studies on it and I want our conversation to be, um, you know, from a learning and practicality point of view, what is it that we can learn and apply uh, starting today itself? So how would you define imposter syndrome and where does it come from? That's a great question. Um, imposter syndrome is based in fear. It is fear that we are not who we say we are. It is a fear that people will find us out, right? And so uh, a lot of times we want to be or do something in the world. And then the moment we make that decision, the thing that happens is fear kicks in and tells us that we can't and tells us that we're not, right? So fear will tell us that we're not who we say we are. Our, our limiting beliefs will tell us that we're not who we say we are. So therefore, how can you, you know, stand up uh, or submit a resume or, you know, sub- go after a particular job? Clear example. There's a job that you read the, the, the description. You're like, oh, this is great. I love this. It. like a dream job or it's perfect for me. But then you start nitpicking and you go, oh, it asked for eight years and I only have six. Or, oh, it says that you should have been, you know, in charge of whatever this thing is. And I've never done that. And so you feel like if you submit your resume, then you will be found out a fraud and people will see that you don't know what you're talking about. And so that's what imposter syndrome is. And where does that fear that you're going to, you know, because when I think of fraud, I think of, you know, do you remember that movie, Catch Me If You Can? Um, I feel like that's a fraud. So, and, and normal people like you and me, why, where, this is a, I mean, a deeper question, but I don't know um, if there's an answer to it. Where does that fear come from? Um, it's, it's rooted partially in a fear of like being accepted. We, we do a lot of comparison. We compare, you know, keeping up with the Joneses as they yeah. say here, right? So we're always yeah. comparing ourselves to others. So what we do is, it's not necessarily what we don't have is what we don't have in comparison to somebody else that we think has more right and so from a job standpoint and from you know trying to look for jobs even if you have a job that you're going for internally 
you already come, you'll already think in your mind, how many other qualified people are there? That's not your job to worry about. This is their job to worry about them getting in the door, right? You, instead of a lot of us, instead of focusing on what we can do to make sure that we are the chosen candidate or that we are just um, worthy of that, of, of being chosen, we start to say, oh, well, so-and-so has eight years or they have a PhD. We just start beating ourselves up. And so I think it's just, unfortunately, something that humans do all the time. And um, we have to create mechanisms for us to, to combat that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's some very interesting comments here that I want to just call out here. And because um, we may not be familiar with the term, but we're familiar with the sensation of comparison, comparisonitis. And I'm not enough in any way. I'm not pretty enough, strong enough, thin enough, smart enough, black enough, white enough, <laughs> brown enough, urban enough, rural enough. It, that list goes on. Uh, Thomas, this is so interesting. I've never done this before. I can't guarantee it will be perfect. And could it be that, you know, fear, I mean, that, that whole perfectionism thing, which um, a lot of us uh, face? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I was saying that um, perfectionism because we like I have to be this perfect. If I'm not this perfect, then there's something wrong. And if there's something wrong, then they're going to see that in there. And I I have to show and be the best all the time. I all used to have this 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 thing about quality, right, where I say I have to give a quality product. Um, and when I started my first company, it was just like quality, quality, quality. I have to make sure because I felt like I'm new at this. I, you know, I need to make sure that I show up correctly and, and all my work is done really well. And a cousin of mine who had been in business long before I had said to me one time, um, you keep trying to give a Ford uh, you keep trying to give a Rolls Royce to people who want a Ford. And I had to think. You keep it. trying to give a Rolls Royce to someone who wants like a Honda Civic or a Ford. They're asking. Are you, are you talking about over delivering every yes, time? Over delivering every time. He's like, you're going above and beyond. He, and, and I said, well, that's who I am. Like, I want to. And he's just like, no, what are you being paid for? And so he said, you are going to start losing on the it will start to show and you'll start to lose because if you try to over deliver every single time to us to a point where it's because it's perfection is not because it's quality because you can do a QA check and make sure it's good, but because it's perfectionism and you're trying to prove something to some, it, it will start to show. And I had to, that, that was kind of hard for me to take because I was like, yeah. what do you mean? I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm centered on quality. He's like, no, you're, you're a perfectionist and you're trying yeah. to get everything right all the time. Yeah. No. And people who are saying I'm a perfectionist in the job interviews, when they say, what is your area of development? Be very careful. It's an overdone, overplayed um, trick that doesn't work anymore. It shows that you don't necessarily know, know yourself really well. Um, and, you know, um, we're going a little off topic here, but Malika, this is very interesting, right? There's a very fine line between you just need to do your job versus go the extra mile. And, you know, you're someone who gets promoted because you're doing you're going above and beyond. How do you balance the two? I think it's a combination of some level of honesty, first of all, right? What is it that you want and what is it that you're trying to accomplish? So if you can center on those things, you can use those as guardrails to, to make you focus on what it is that you need to do. And you won't be tempted to, to keep adding and all of doing all of the things, right? So think about like a, a bouquet. And so you go and you pick some roses and some baby's breath and some hydrangea and things. And at some point though, 
you just keep at it's done at some point it's done <laughs> the bouquet. Yeah. and so ha- if you knew that this is like i'm doing a table setting and it only needs to be a single rose or i'm doing a flourished uh wonderful you know big giant dinner and it needs to be so having having the setting the intention of what it is that you want first and then catering to that time and time yes will help yes you. because um one rose is enough rose it's is a question enough. of it's enough it's yeah. enough and and not overdoing it so that's a a really interesting point harika that is this is exactly what we're talking about uh i still feel like i could do better than this and i can't charge well, listen we get it okay we get it we're going to talk about it um i i have to be careful here because a lot of people i don't see your name here unfortunately a lot of people think of gender and uh, imposter syndrome i used to to a very large extent and till i read this very interesting article by cindy gallop so if you guys haven't read it check it out it's called stop telling women they have imposter syndrome and it goes into like a lot of interesting detail i'm not saying it's one or the other it's always nuanced um and last thing i want to say malika before we move to the next uh, point um i read somewhere i don't know if you agree because now we're getting into psychology and therapy and i'm not um, at all equipped but what i read was um a lot of perfectionism comes from people pleasing Mm-hmm. and a lot of people pleasing comes from parent pleasing from yeah. our childhood do you agree yeah. i do i think i think that there is the innate us the way we are born into the world there is the cultured us and i want to say cultured i mean we we've adopted by our surroundings there's the learned us and when i say us these are all versions right the version yeah. of you um there's a learned thing by you are taught by other people's reactions to how you show up how to be so similarly when i tell my clients that they need to train people how to treat them you are already you have already been trained by your environment and your parents and so sometimes you have to deprogram yourself oh my gosh i'm going to repeat that you have to train people how to train you but first you got to untrain yourself because you were trained in a certain way which is not serving you correct is exactly um, oh my gosh yeah we have to it's okay to be selfish right um it's okay to be selfish sometimes and when i say selfish i mean in the way that you are thinking of yourself you know everybody this this whole cliche to put your own oxygen mask on first it's yeah. It's said for a reason. You can't yeah. be the best version of yourself in the world if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah, no, so, 100%, 100%. And Niatu, I love that you talked about respect because our name uh are uh you know insisting because I I've been uh live so many times and I I remember uh being okay with being called Sonal, Sonal. Now anybody who's watching from India, Sonal for me is a man's name and I don't like Sonal. It just completely changes the way it sounds. Um I remember telling someone on my podcast uh that actually it's sonal because i got so sick and tired of sonal and i thought in my head this is so uncomfortable but damn it mm-hmm. this is my podcast so yeah. i'm going to say it i said it guess what that person didn't like it he didn't like being corrected so we had to re-record and guess what the the vibe was gone yeah and since then i've hesitated but i've done it live a few times and people are always usually you uh, not always apologetic and like i didn't know that so uh, when it comes to names i just want to give a quick shout out to niyatu for what he said and if you go to linkedin uh, there's a little loudspeaker like a little volume icon next to your name um make sure you add your pronunciation if you haven't done so i've already done it 
And it's not just for people who have exotic sounding names. You can have a little branding in there. You can say hello or whatever it is. It's uh, it's definitely worth it. Um, and, you know, I'm seeing such fantastic comments here. I from know. There's one I want to Lovely re- audience. I'm finding like really hard to keep up. But I want to oh, see another one thing I that to respond to. Um, you want to, you know, feel free to, by the way, because there's so many, I'm not always looking. Go the okay. extra mile where it counts. Thomas, that is brilliant. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad Me you too. said that because it's otherwise you're just going to burn yourself out and fake it till you make it. I have very strong views on this. Um, Malika, what do you think about it? That's the one I wanted to respond to. So Kitos Risto for, for saying that. Um, if you can, let me see which, which shoulder is. I have a sign that says faith it until you make it. I don't believe in faking it, right? And this is why I have this sign. Faith it until you make it means you, you might understand that something is difficult to do, but you are determined and intentional about moving forward. Fake it till you make it your, your subconscious knows when you're being fake. And so I have a whole practice that I do to teach people how to do affirmations uh, in opposition to go on Google and find some, I am great, I am wonderful, all that, stuff, mm-hmm. I am enough. I mean, you have to start somewhere sometimes, but yep. if you're saying something that your subconscious just does not believe, you have to fertilize your spirit first. You have to fertilize your thoughts in your mind to accept Back to the flower um, analogy, right? You can't put seeds in arid ground. You have to fertilize it and, and, and nurture it. And so the nurturing of yourself and your mind and your mindset will help you to make those affirmations stick. You can't just say them. So, yes, I completely um, agree with the. Um, uh, I love the analogy uh, because people say, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it. You know, I've just planted the seed. OK, I'm like, uh, that's a great point. You've planted the seed, but the, the ground is dry. Yes. It has not been watered. Planting it is not enough. It's not enough. So planting a seed is not enough. It will just. So I love a good debate. And I'll tell you what. (laughs) Fake it till you make it is something I love. And I'll tell you why. The it for me is the controversial thing. What are we talking about? Because for me, if if it, fake it till you make it. Make it means successful. The first it, right? If the it is confidence. I have faked confidence when I'm shivering before an important board meeting or uh, going live or anything. I've faked it. But I feel competence. If you fake that, you will mm. be found out because you are an imposter. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's you know, my view on uh, fake. I love that. I love that. So here, here semantics, right? The word, the words actually matter. So you were talking about the it and I was yes. talking about the fake. And so yes. for me, the fake is more like B. So yes. when I say fake it to me, I'm pretending and the pretending feels wrong. So I'm not, I'm unable to do that. But yes. when I say I'm just being, be the, be the version of you that you want to see in the world. That is like it, it's, again, it is it is just words, but it's like whatever makes it okay for you. And I don't care if yes. you do fake it. To, if you fake it till you make it, and that's okay with you, and you're like, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna be it. Then that's the case. And I and I don't believe we should we we do we we too often tell people what they should do, and I don't do that. I don't like the word should. No, I, I don't say like the word should. What works for you is the thing to do. And yeah, yes. exactly. Exactly. And I love this comment. So, um, Risto, funny story, because Malaika, you can say thank you in what, 40 languages? Yes. But you're not from Finland. <laughs> no, 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 not from Finland. 
<laughs> yes, I can say thank you um, in 40 languages because uh, I never want to meet anyone on the planet that I can't say thank you to in the most heart-centered way. And I feel that gratitude is my favorite human emotion. And I feel that there's something about speaking to someone in the language they learned in the womb that feels no, good to that's them. That's lovely. Listen, yeah. so um, this is a fantastic tip for someone and, and uh, we're going to get back on topic. But, you know, sometimes when you have your resume or you have a bio and I'm talking to the audience here, um, there's always that little, you know, I feel like a lot of bios these days are so dry, boring, studied here, worked here. They're like, oh, it's like fun fact. I can say 40. I can say thank you in 40 languages. Guess what? That makes you interesting. So if you ever like in your bio or on a resume, I would add that because I think that makes you very interesting. So um, absolutely love it. Yes, don't fake it. We're not talking about competence that's, and you're fine. No, 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 no. That's a great point. I think that uh, fake it till you make it is what we were talking about with regards to being realistic. So talk to us about that. You know, like um, people don't realize, but even CEOs have imposter syndrome, at least the ones who talk about it, right? Most of yeah. them will particularly, I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of men, right? Um, but the thing is, there is a line between like, I'm actually bad at my job and I got promoted because I have the right connections or nepotism or whatever versus um, I think I'm not good enough and I need to keep learning. You know, where, where, how do we, how do we balance that? Yeah, that's, that goes back to the honesty thing, right? Th this is something that's, we're always having to reassess and reevaluate and be honest about your skill set. There's nothing wrong with ha with needing to do more. None of us are perfect, right? None of us have all the answers. We're growing. We're always in a state of becoming, becoming more than we were yesterday. Uh, but be honest about that. There's things that you know, and there are things that you can learn. And there's things that you have absolutely no clue about, right? But you also possibly can learn. Also, there are things that you have no freaking interest in learning. It's like, please don't bring that anywhere near me. But we don't accept that. We go, oh, I can do the things. I'm going to, no, no, you don't like to do it. You don't want to do it. So we, we often put ourselves in bad positions because we're trying to be and do all things for all people. If that's not your lane, and when I say lane, it's not your interest, yes. then it's okay to not go for it. I say all the time, I yeah. lean unapologetically into my joy and genius. And I encourage other people to do the same. What makes me happy? I want to do what I want with whom I want, when I want. And uh, that goes back to that self-care and that self um, pouring into yourself. I, and that's okay. And that's fine. You're not always going to have the opportunity to do that on every job all the time, but at least having that as your guardrail makes the things that you do worth doing. And yes. I think that's what we're yes. No, that's a great point. I think um, um, every time I've had, um, I'll never admit it, um, but it's, I know it's comparisonitis, but I will be like, you know, talking to my coach and her favorite thing to tell me is Sonal swim in your own lane. And you just said that. So it's one of those things I I, I uh, carry it forward and I, I share this with my clients all the time because we don't realize at what at what point the ego is speaking versus mm -hmm. the true, you know, the, the true soul. Right, um, right. So, uh, yeah, your beta version versus fake. That's such a great point. And Malaika, you got to put that on your LinkedIn profile. Okay, Paula, I, will, I will. That's my homework assignment. I will that is absolutely right. Thomas, I love this because... Um, 
a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Any promotion is a big deal, and particularly CEO when all eyes are on you. So uh, that's a great point. We have a question here already. I took the steepest targets and I achieved them, and yet I felt as an imposter as I imagine I could have had like a higher aim. Is that the same thing? I would say it's somewhat right. So I don't think there's a blanket explanation for imposter syndrome. And I don't think it even I think the wording kind of throws it off because syndrome makes it sound like something that you're steeped in. You'll never get out of. Right. Uh, Like a medical diagnosis. (laughs) Right. Right. It is more of a um, considerations to think about when you're moving forward. So for me, I have learned that when I'm afraid that that's probably the direction I should go in because I get, I know that I'm a perfectionist. So the things that I'm typically afraid of are things where I have to show and prove. Um, Even when I know that I've done it before, if it's somehow bigger, grander than I've done before, I start to tell myself how I'm not ready, right? And so I have learned to move move through that. Um, And so it's the same, but it's a little different. So I know that wasn't the answer that you're looking for, but it's really more of a just, Everything is a case-by-case basis. Let's put it that exactly, way. Everything exactly. that you are, are looking to do, look at it through the lens of, one, have I done this before? Okay, if, you're not, if you haven't done this before, how about have you done something similar? Mm-hmm. How about um, where have you succeeded where you thought you weren't going to? So reminding yourself of how fantastic you actually are is really good. And write it down. Like write down the times. Write down the accomplishments. Able. And I want to talk to you about this because we were talking backstage. And at some point, you know, there's a... There's, um, there's a fine line between being proud of it and uh, your accomplishments and being just pure ar- arrogant, you know, and we were just talking backstage about a certain president of a certain country. I will not name which one um, where um, the whole world has seen a lot of confidence to the point of arrogance. And I'm like, uh, you know, is that imposter? I'm like, no, it's actually the opposite. But how do us mort- mere mortals watch out that the confidence in our accomplishments which is fighting imposter syndrome, doesn't come across as arrogant. Yeah. Um, Ask yourself for the receipts, right? Ask yourself for the receipts. Yeah. So if you're, if it's like you're having a conversation with yourself, right? Or there, there there used to be that little thing with the the red, the, 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 the devil and the angel on your shoulders talking to you, right? So think about this. When you say that you can't do something or you're not, able to complete some task, ask yourself for the proof, prove it, prove that I haven't done it before. Because guess what? When you count, what do you start with? One, one, two, three, you have to start somewhere. So when you count, you're starting from one. So you've started somewhere before. And if you've never done it, you can find, or you should be able to find instances where you've been able to accomplish. And it doesn't have to be the same thing it just means that you have the inside ability to overcome a challenge. And so ask yourself for the receipts. If, if I tell myself I can't do that, prove it. What 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 is making me say that? Like you, it's a peeling of the onion, but you have to start asking yourself these kind of powerful questions and, mm-hmm. and separate fact versus fiction. Like what is and, fiction? Oh, that's a good point. And, and if you don't have the objectivity to ask yourself this, then work with a coach, work with a friend who you can trust, who yeah. you know will give you Absolutely. objective um, objective feedback. What if it's true? Like, what if I haven't done enough or my skills don't match the job and I apply? So I'm in your face imposter. Like what's going on? I love this. Um, so here's the thing. I'm brutally honest. And I, that, that takes some time to get to, because we shy away from our 
so-called uh, weaknesses, right? So we all know that that common HR question of your strengths yes. and weaknesses, and many of us hate it, <laughs> right? Um, and we also know, uh, depending on what side of the desk you're sitting on, the answer to what are your weaknesses usually has to do with playing up your strength. It usually has, oh, I'm a people person. I, I care too much about people or something like that, right? Um, I don't believe in going out of your way to do things that don't make you happy and don't serve you. And so I know that this is difficult for people to understand sometimes because they say, well, you have to, there's grunt work. Yeah, there's grunt work in every job. Yes. That's not the, that's not the point. The point is when I go to interview, when, well, I don't interview anymore, but, <laughs> but when I did go to interview, um, I was very honest about my skill set and the things that I could do. But I also brought to the table how I've leveraged things into other things. Right. And so can you I, give an example of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was asked one time in a job, job interview, they were talking about some some particular software and using of that software. And I've never done it, never touched it. Some people will be afraid and like him and haul around it. I need to know. I need them to know that that's not my strength, but here's what I can do. And so I told them I've never touched this particular software, but I have built systems by bringing people together that do have that skill set. And so that they're able to complete it because I can't do everything anyway. And so the other thing about interviews is I hate to tell you, but you're actually interviewing the company as well. Yeah. So one of the questions I asked them was, <laughs> Do you have people that, that do this software, right? So another thing is being prepared. If you know something is on your, is lack or to your, you think it's lacking from your, your resume, right? You can ask where in the company does that expertise lie? Can you, and how can you leverage it? So that shows two things. It shows a person that you have been thinking through what this job actually takes and that you also understand and know how to leverage resources. So resource allocation is very important, no matter what level you're in. So when I asked the interviewer, when I told them, one, I've never done this, but hey, do you have people that do so-and-so? Guess what the answer was? Oh, well, yeah, we actually have a co communications department and they cover that. But so you, the main thing is you asked. Something that could have been my, oh, they're going to find out. I don't Assumption. know. Assumptions can kill you and make an ass out of you. That's exactly. <laughs> assumption. No, that's oh, such a, it's such a good really example. Good thing about how, um, what, if I really haven't done enough, again, that goes back to you can train yourself up. And so let the interviewer know that, hey, I've not done this thing, but I'm really interested in it. And I, I'd love to because oftentimes, you know, that's what you get training um, uh, dollars. for. And, and, and it's such a I love this line when people say it in interviews. I mean, you, I know you said you don't interview anymore, but you have clients, right? And they're interviewing you. So at the end of the day, the conversations are very similar. And I love it when I used to interview uh, people and they'd be like, uh, would you know this? So the recruiter or the interviewer knows this is a nice to have versus this is like a deal breaker, right? Without this, we will not even call you. Right, um, right. But the nice to have is is actually going to help them hit, you know, for you to hit the ground running. And I used to love it when people would say, I don't know this, Sonal, but I'm an excellent and very fast learner. I promise you that. That's mm -hmm. it. They are not lying. No fakeness whatsoever, right. but um, and and it gives a lot of reassurance um, right. to the other person. And lastly, your transferable skills. If you haven't done this thing, what have you done 
that that can help accelerate that. So I used to years ago, I was advisor for a nonprofit for for veterans. Um, And so we were building veterans transition centers and a lot of work we did with people who were coming from the military and now had to have civilian jobs. And they were a little lost in how they can transfer what they did in the military to what was needed in the civilian workspace. And so we work with them to really just the same thing we're talking about. It it may say on this job wreck, these things, but this is what you did in the military that is the same as, or sometimes better than what they're asking for. Ah, yeah, that's lovely. Um, I'm just going to give a shout out to my friend Varsha, who actually is a resume writer for people who are leaving the military and going into civilian jobs. So, so Varsha, this was a very interesting point. And I have another friend here who's a resume writer in, um, I think, good Lord, I think North Carolina, if I remember, uh, and, and I'm sure she does this when she's interviewing her clients, when she's doing the resumes for them, no matter how small that accomplishment is, when you're saying ask for receipts, those are great reasons why you deserve to be um, interviewed when you, when you document it. And another friend who says, uh, you know, you got to build the bridge, you got to hold their hand, show them how, and I like the thing that you said about resources, be resourceful. Like I'm resourceful. I'll get stuff done. Just, Give it to me. I'll do it. If I don't know how, I'll figure it out. Hello, Google. We live in an age where not knowing something is not an excuse, you know. Of course, it's different when you don't like it. That's different. Yeah. Um, and then you, you need to be honest. And I think um, that's a great point. Um, I saw a question on confidence. So um, how do you fake confidence? Okay, let's talk about confidence for a second. We did a little bit earlier. What is that right amount of confidence and how can you fake it? <laughs> So it's a very internal thing. It's like, you know, there are a lot of things that we innately know and we try to, we push aside, right? And so you, there's something inside you when you're being fake, (laughs) you know, it, it doesn't feel good. It does not feel good. So I'm, I, I teach my clients to search for congruency, to search for the things that align and feel good. And it's something about, and you see, I'm even noticing it's so funny. You you warned me about this big bubble, this big uh <laughs> this uh, yeah. Yeah. you don't love it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I was gonna say is even as I'm describing it, I'm sitting up straight in my chair because it's something about feeling good about yourself. That yes. sort of confidence is the good confidence. When yes. you are arrogant and full of yourself and just, you know, and usually arrogance has more to do with taking others down than it does with building yourself up. So when you notice that the things that you're saying is telling how you're greater than other people and the things that you're doing is trying to put yourself above other people, that's arrogance. Confidence is con is with the confide is inside. So it's being strong with who you are inside. And when you do that, you feel good. And if it feels good, then I would say it's right. Uh, that's such a great point. I um, Anyone who's um, a, a Spanish speaker, I love little tidbits like that. Uh, I'm going to write that down. So the word, the very word confidence is like telling us something. In Spanish, con is with, right? Con, contigo. Uh, fide is within and con- confidence. So it's coming from within. But I also think arrogant people it's coming from a place of fear. It's actually coming from lack of confidence. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're overplaying it. You're overdoing it so that people exactly. don't see. Right. Exactly. Whereas when you're sitting in your realness, when you're sitting in who you are, that's yeah. within yourself 
Tell yeah, me yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my friend Lee, who actually doesn't live too far from where, from you, actually, learning how your skills and results can translate to achieving specific outcomes. And the keyword here is specific. So you want to, you know, showcase that when you're talking to people and also um, in on your resume. Uh, so that's fantastic. So now I'm going to talk about, um, uh, let's talk about big goals right and in um we have a bhag that's an acronym big hairy audacious goal audacious goals and for my hindi speaking urdu speaking friends here bhag big hairy audacious goals that's funny because bhag in hindi means run so it's like big hairy audacious goals run like run in the opposite direction run for your life this is scary stuff so how do we stop being afraid of those bhags <laughs> So the way you stop being afraid of anything is to stop trying to stop. <laughs> stop trying to stop. Stop trying to stop. So how do I stop being afraid? You fear is a natural human emotion. We I I don't believe in necessarily overcoming fears in mm-hmm. the way that I think a lot of people talk of it. I think that we are walking through them. It's still there. And guess what when you get on the other side, fear is really about the unknown. And so when you get on the other side of something, you go, oh, that wasn't that bad. So now I'm not afraid of it anymore. Right. But it took you walking through. So uh, courage follows action, not the other way around. You don't get you don't get the courage. Right. People think of it like that. But you're not courageous. You're courageous after you've actually moved. You move first. And that is what produces the courage. Like, okay, I can do this. Um, And then secondly, big goals. I have a different take on goals, which I'm sure you won't be surprised. I (laughs) I have a different take on just about everything, but goals. I I have an acronym that I use with my clients for goals and that's uh, gain opportunities to apply leverage. Say say again, say again, gain Gain opportunities, opportunities to apply leverage, because sometimes we think that a goal is this thing that we have to have and it'll do something for us. But actually some of the times that the things that we're calling goals are actually just tasks. Cause if you know how to do them, if you've done them before, it's not really a goal, it's a task. So their goal should be things that give you an opportunity to move forward in some way. So it doesn't have to be the end all and be all. And what often ends up being anticlimactic because we think, Oh, now I've got here. I'm here. Now what? It's never a now what, because it's an opportunity to apply leverage. So every step is just, Gaining an opportunity to apply leverage and move forward. Yeah, no, that's lovely. I love that. Um, and it stops it from being quite so scary, too. It's not exactly. It's exactly the opposite of what we talked about, which is big, hairy, audacious goals. They're not hairy. They're not big. They're audacious. Look at the micro goals. Focus on that because you can control the outcome to a very large extent. And I'm a sucker for good acronyms. So I knew this conversation would be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. So I love it. Uh, and we have um, interesting questions here uh, from Polina, from It's. I promise I'm going to come to you guys. I just want to finish off with um, our conversation on uh, this particular topic. So um, what's the right amount of confidence? We said ask for the receipts. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. We're, I, I had six questions in here. I think we're done with the six questions. Like time flew. Time really, really <laughs> flew. It's already 39 minutes and, and um I don't even know how it happened. So I'm going to go into the questions and see. So Paulina is saying, how do you answer questions like, how do you communicate um, effectively? Like, um, should, is it back to, I'm thinking it's back to what Lee said, specific outcomes, maybe your, your stories and your examples. Malika, you want to add something here? Certainly, definitely stories. Uh, so how do you communicate effectively? 
when someone asks you that question, you can tell them about a time where something could have been misconstrued and you fixed it, you figured it out, or you went to several people to figure out what was really going on to, to fix an issue. So think about breaking down, and I come from a family of teachers, right? So <laughs> um, breaking down the sentence, how do you communicate effectively? So communicate is to work with other people and to get your point across and to listen to people effectively means that it gets the job done because in, in all honesty, most places, jobs don't care about what you do necessarily. They care about what results you can get. Right. And so the effectively part is what was the great result you got because you spoke to or communicated people or, or, or handle some sorts of logistics to get something done. So the best way to answer how you communicate effectively is to tell the story of how you did it in the past. And the story has a start, a finish, an ending. So there is a challenge and then there's an ending. So use the power approach that um, my friend here talks about a lot, Lee. Problem, action, result. So then you know you're not going to go wrong because otherwise, I call that drunk driving. You're talking and then you're like, you don't know where this is going and there's going to be an accident because somebody is intoxicated. <laughs> Obviously, not literally. So um, fantastic. I don't know. There's very interesting questions coming on interviews and communication. What do you think about this one? It's asked by Ruchi. How do you answer? What are the barriers? of? Um, I don't know. Uh, do you have any point on it? Because it sounds like a very hypothetical question to ask in an interview. It is very, it is very hypothetical, but... So these, a lot of these questions about communication go to your personal experience, but yeah. also go to being very circumspect, like you said, about a particular instance. So barriers to communication generally are misunderstanding, right? That's mm -hmm. literally the opposite of communication. Barriers to communication are misunderstanding. And assumptions. Assumptions being made and also unwillingness. So you can't, if, if, if I call you and you don't pick up the phone, that's a barrier to communication. So you have to be willing to engage in communication. So being able to tell someone what things you know of, right, um, that can hinder communication is the simple answer to that question. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a great point. Thank you for that. Um, Rajiv here has an interesting um, mouthful here. Let's go. Often the thoughts during the interview are, well, this is new to me. I know I can get it done and I have the transferable skills to get the job done. However, the feedback, like the vibe that you're getting from the interviewer is clear that you don't have the experience. You're not the right person. So at what point do you stop that self, you know, self-sabotage, self-impression at that point. Do you seek feedback from the interviewer right then as to how to better position yourself? Is that uh, a very risky move to make? What do you think? Oh, this is a great question. Okay, so you should also be setting the pace in the conversation. So I, in my career coaching, I teach my clients to take more control over the conversation because we naturally feel out of control when we're interviewing. We feel like the interviewer has all the power. And so we're just there to answer questions. No, that's not where you're there. You're there to figure out whether or not this opportunity will serve you best. Right. And so in, when you're talking about, I know it can get it done and that you're getting this like, uh, I don't know. Back we don't think so. We don't think so. Right. <laughs> One of the things is powerful questions, powerful questions, powerful questions, powerful questions. Always ask questions. So ask them, what is the most important thing in this role? What has been what sorts of um, 
what sorts of people hmm. have been successful in this role? Hmm. So, so you're asking them to tell you yes. what makes it right. So then yeah. you can you can kind of dovetail off of what they're saying. And if by chance, whatever they're saying, you really don't have and it's not something that's in your wheelhouse. This is where honesty comes in. Every job opportunity is not the one for you. And I know it's painful, especially when you've been out here searching and you're interview after interview and you think I need this job, but you have to take the desperation out of it because you don't need that job. You may need a job, <laughs> but you don't necessarily need that job. And you can pin yourself into a poor situation by just desperately wanting to fit in where you naturally I know. Are. I know. I love that. And and I read this somewhere and I, I think it was last year. Um Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pretty, like so bare minimum. Good. Let's take her. We didn't find anyone else. And then, you know, guess what? Three months later, they're miserable. You are miserable and crying every Monday morning. Like Sunday night, the crying starts. It's not It's not, not <laughs> worth it. So you got such a great detailed answer, um, Rajiv. I hope this is helpful. Uh, I'm going to take the last question here because... Um, Malaika has to go. And the question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you answer? Hey, Nikita, what are your communication skills? We know without coming across as overconfident, arrogant versus also, you know, self-sabotaging your chances. Okay, great question. And I will always tell you to go high when you feel when you're confident. And then just back it up with with those examples. Back it up. So someone asked me to rate my communication skills. I'm going to say 9 to 10. Like, cause you, you only get, you only gave it a 10 and I might feel like I'm a 12. I, this is what I do all the time. I love doing this. I sit in this, I think it, I, I dream it. Right. So I'm very confident in that because it is my, is the skill set of mine. So I'm oh, perfectly okay with saying nine or 10 and saying, Hey, well, do you have a 12? Like, <laughs> cause that's, that's just, that's who oh, I am. I love it. Just be confident and back it up with examples. You've got the receipts, Nikita, you've got the receipts, just show them the receipts. It's absolutely fine. And obviously we're not talking literal receipts um and it's not remember it's not bragging if it's true it's, it's not, not bragging, bragging if it's true so hopefully that that helps you last thing from you malaika before i let you go um anyone who's listening you're like okay i got a good idea we went through so many things a quick recap we talked about imposter syndrome what is the difference between being an imposter and thinking yeah but that's realistic how do you come across as you know how do you make sure you don't come across as arrogant uh, what if you think you've genuinely not done enough or you don't have the necessary skills? We talked about what is the right amount of confidence and how do you stop being afraid of big goals? So we covered a lot in like 47 minutes. So if you're joining us late, hi there, but make sure you watch the replay because this conversation is golden. So before I let you go, Malaika, what is that one maybe parting thought from you um, to that person, that one person who's watching and, you know, Fear is a big part of that person's life on a daily basis. Yeah, I would say we are all becoming. You are not now who you were yesterday and, and certainly not who you'll be tomorrow. So be okay with the journey. And I know it's difficult when we have a destination, we have a goal in mind and I need to be this. Trust me, I was 29 for a couple of decades. So I understand that you're just not okay sometimes with you know the way life is showing up for you, right? I get it. But you are not yet who you're meant to be, right? And that's because you're constantly evolving and just being okay with that and knowing that 
It helps to ground you so that all of the ways that you look at the world are in the lens of how can I be a better version of myself? Always. It's not it's not it's not perfection. It's just how can I be a better version of myself? And it's not a one and done. It's never it's never finished. It's never finished. Absolutely. It's never finished. Thank you so much. If you if you're, if you're not following Malaika, I highly recommend that you follow her on LinkedIn and check out her website malaikasimmons.com. Malaika, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you made it till the end. That shows that you care about your career and that means we need to hang out a little bit more. So just a couple of things. A new podcast episode is dropped every single Monday. Wednesday, I take out one email which relates to your career and absolute amazing insights that I only share on email. So if you want to subscribe, go to the link in my show notes. That's superchargeyourself.com forward slash newsletter. And finally, did you know I hang out on LinkedIn, YouTube and Facebook live every single Friday at 2 p.m. Central European time. So you are more than welcome to join me. Just follow the links in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, maybe share it with three of your closest friends. And if you're feeling even more generous, leave me a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps the discoverability of the show. So thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself. And until next time, bye for now.